Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has Pass. Wilson. Quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted. He intercepted to Matthew Butler. Butler has it at the one. Matthew Butler stepped in front of the throw. And the Patriots have possession with 20 seconds to go. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it up to the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. A touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. You're doing some research here. Yeah, so uh, Cam the intern got his own own podcast. Got his own podcast, but it looks good. Looks good. Logos, good. Maybe it sounds good too. Oh, Cam, hardworking kid. Cam, yeah. Every day that kid's stock goes up a little bit. A little bit. Ryan Hurtry on the way. It's good off the backboard and in. Murray, what a take by Tucker Jones. Another steal. Spin on Caldwell. The layup's good. I would like to see you hold a mirror up to yourself and interview yourself. As good as this was. It could only be better if it was all you. Tuning in, I was a fan. I was like, man, let's do it. Cam, thanks so much for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Join today for the first time, Cam Isamone. Gallagher's going to have to shoot it from beyond the arc. And it's good! Jacobs for three. He got it! My goodness, what a shooting performance by Jacobs. I think Cam's Corner is great. Tune in to Cam's Corner. This kid's going to make it. <laughs> He's going to make it here. Oh, all right, guys, and we are back. Welcome back to another episode of Camp's Corner today. Joining me, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Patriots on 98.5 The Sports Hub and a writer for The Sports Hub as well, Bob Sosi. Bob, thank you again for taking the time and joining me today. Hey, Cam, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, of course. So um, originally you're from Auburn, New York. You played baseball on a championship team in high school, graduated from the University of Dayton. And before we get into the questions about the Patriots, I wanted to know um, what made you decide you wanted to become a sports broadcaster? Well, first of all, thanks for touching on my lone athletic <laughs> career highlight. <laughs> I don't know how much I contributed to a state championship, but I was part of a state championship team. And, uh, you know, before I started uh, playing baseball, I was watching it and uh, wanted to broadcast it uh, from the time I did start playing it. It's, it's kind of uh, one of those things that I think a lot of people in our business share where I was commentating on my own backyard wiffle ball games and uh, the playground ball that my friends and I used to uh, have, uh, you know, spend a lot of afternoons uh, in, in, the, in the summer and the fall, uh, regardless of what the season was. We shifted from baseball uh, to, to foot touch football, flag football, to street hockey, to, to basketball when we could. I was always the guy that uh, was calling the games as I was playing. And, and, and then while in Little League Baseball, I was lucky enough to grow up, as you mentioned, in Auburn, where we had this beautiful Little League complex with a press box and lights and a public address system. And uh, apparently, you know, the people that ran the league, the commissioner and his assistant and some of the coaches had heard <laughs> my words echoing uh, off in the distance and knew I wanted to be a broadcaster, at least knew that. You know, this little kid certainly had a gift for gab. And so I would uh, be invited to come up in the press box when I wasn't playing games. So we'd have double headers because of the lights. We'd have a six o'clock game, 730 game. If I was playing at 730, I went into the press box at six and I got to announce some of the batter's names on the public address system, vice versa. You know, played the first game in my uniform, went up in the press box, got a bag of popcorn, a hamburger, whatever, and uh, you know, did the same. Announced the batters who were coming to the plate, and uh, you know that that's was born of this uh, dream of becoming a broadcaster someday. Still wanted to play second base, if not catcher, for the Mets, but uh, eventually became a broadcaster and lived out you know one of those two dreams as a child. Right. So looking back at it now, you know, with all the success you had over the years and everything you've accomplished with the Patriots and, and before the Patriots as well. Um, who were some of like the role models you looked up to in a way uh, when you first started broadcasting, if you if you had any? 
Yeah, I did for sure. I had role models all along the way. Some I never knew. Some I, I only, you know, uh, listened to and watched on television, you know, dreaming of someday having a job like theirs. And, and they would include people like Kurt Gowdy, for example, was the voice of every big event on NBC. People here who grew up in Massachusetts uh, of older generations and knew him as the Red Sox announcer. I knew him, of course, as the voice of the game of the week and the World Series, as well as you know the big NFL game that NBC had. And I was an AFC fan as a kid. Uh, I had an allegiance to an AFC team at the time. And, and so I watched more of the NBC games. So Kurt Gowdy was one of my favorite football announcers. Uh, baseball, though, was my love uh, from the start, really my first love and my most passionate uh, love as, as a sports fan early on and for much of my life in the Mets broadcasters on WOR, Lindsey Nelson, primarily Bob Murphy for me and Ralph Connor. They were, they were really my, the, the first voices of my youth, but I, I was one of those kids who came interestingly, I got into radio eventually and really have made more of a living in radio than television by far. But I was a kid who grew up on television. Uh, a lot of people, for, for a lot of people in, in our industry, it's the opposite. They grew up listening to the transistor radio, uh, you know, uh, under their pillow in bed at night, and then eventually get into television broadcasting. Well, I had, a, uh, you know, the, the great fortune of, of being in an area where our cable system had WOR out of New York, WPIX out of New York. So you got the Mets and the Yankees during baseball season, plus other New York teams and other seasons. We had uh, WSBK TV 38 eventually. So I, I watched and listened to a lot of Ned Martin and even Hawk Harrelson before Bob Montgomery joined Ned uh, for the Red Sox games and you know a, a number of other stations, including one out of Canada that carried Hockey Night in Canada, plus the Blue Jays and the Expos. And so every day and night, if I wasn't out playing games, I was in, in our finished basement, uh, really that I had to myself. It was my, my man cave as a kid, watching games, often turning down the sound, and uh, imitating the announcers that I loved. And uh, as I got older and got into the industry, I, I developed relationships with mentors, uh, some of whom are, are very prominent, uh, very well known, the best in, in our profession. Others, uh, you know, much lesser known, but no less uh, impactful on my career in life. I was one of those kids who, when I, when I got serious about it, uh, through internships, as well as just uh, reaching out to people on my own writing letters, made contact with pros in the business, who were where I wanted to be and broadcast in a way that resonated with me, people that I admired and respected. And I always sought their advice and their candid feedback whenever I could. Yeah, you know, certainly it's easier a little bit now for me to contact uh, people like yourself and, uh, you know, around because like the internet, you know, emails and all things like that it was obviously tougher for you back then. But um, that's kind of like the same path I'm trying to go along is make these connections so people know one, who I am, and two, uh, once my, I guess, broadcasting career per se tries to you know take a little bit more of a leap um you know people will know me and i can keep these connections along the way so that's pretty cool to hear um from where you started so that's kind of uh leads me into my next question is when what was your first official job offer in the business and uh, how did it come to yeah my first uh, offer um in the business was with the rochester red wings being i, I when it comes to you know out of college job opportunities while i was in college though i, I worked as an intern for the cincinnati reds and uh, I was in their publicity office. And, and I was really lucky because uh, the Reds were, you know, they, they were a thrifty operation to say the least at the time. Mark Schott was the owner and we had a very small publicity department. There was the full-time uh, director of vice president, Jim Ferguson. 
his assistant, John Browdy, our secretary, Connie, and me. So I was this college kid that, that got a lot more interaction with broadcasters and writers than probably most interns, you know, particularly at that time. I would get and, and also to your point, because there, there was no internet at the time, we're going, we're going way back. This is the mm-hmm. late 80s. Um, there, there was less reliance on technology and more personal interaction. It was, it was a time when Major League Baseball had just uh, instituted this new stats program and with IBM, a partnership. And, and so, you know, my, my primary responsibilities were to make sure that all the, the game releases with all the media information and the statistics as well as, uh, you know, for, for each team, as well as all the leaders in the American League, National League, game results, et cetera, all, all that information uh, was printed out, presented nicely, and made available to the media who covered the team. And again, because they weren't surfing the internet during the games or prior to games, you know, you had a chance to talk with a lot of people and, and, and they had questions for you. And if you had to look up information or get my boss to look up information, well, then, you know, I have that interaction servicing people in the business, but also observing them as they came and went, just how they carry themselves, uh, eavesdropping on their broadcast booths and, and listening to you know, some of the people that I really, truly admired, uh, almost idolized, if you will, uh, listening to them. And, and also, I think as important, watching them while they worked. And over the course of time, I was able to go down into an empty broadcast booth because the Reds were playing at Riverfront Stadium, which was also the home of the Cincinnati Bengals. Each team used different press boxes. The home plate area of, uh, you know, the baseball uh, uh, setup wasn't uh, wasn't practical to call football from. So, you know, the Bengals press box and radio booths, well, they were down the first baseline, the right field line, uh, as the field was oriented for the Reds. So I would wander from my behind home plate press location during Reds games and go spend a couple of innings down the right field line talking into a tape recorder. We're going back again to the days of audio cassettes. And I would call two, three innings to play-by-play of every Reds home game just to practice my craft and distribute tapes and ask people to listen to them and critique them. Well, longer story, a little bit shorter. When I graduated from college, I did a year uh, as an intern at the University of North Carolina, again, working behind the scenes in sports information, media relations, once more given an opportunity to interact a little bit with some of the best in the business calling uh, the Tar Heel games under Dean Smith. After I graduated, I parlayed that PR experience into a job with the Rochester Red Wings. And I had these audio cassettes with play-by-play, make-believe to an audience of one, me, but nonetheless, there were samples of my work on tape. And I was able to go to the general manager of the team because there had been an opening in the radio booth for home games. As luck had it, my partner was Josh Lewin, who's the full-time broadcaster for the uh, Red Wings. He later became, of course, a longtime Major League Baseball announcer, and even a couple of years ago, filled in for the Red Sox. Josh has done the San Diego Chargers, UCLA, and, and a number of other sports as well. Uh, but Josh was the full-time announcer. He was a kid just like myself. And he, his partner got a job at a competing radio station full-time. So they needed somebody to call a few innings of home play-by-play. And, well, again, I, I use this experience as a PR guy. To get a job in the first place, wore a lot of ads, did whatever was asked of me, and it was a wide range of responsibilities, which included selling advertising, helping out the groundskeepers, unloading promotional items when the big trailers rolled in before, you know, bobblehead night, et cetera. 
And I presented the ta a tape to the general manager. He liked what he heard, or at least he didn't dislike it enough to keep me off the air. And he gave me that opportunity. And that was really my first on-air experience. And the first game I broadcast was between the Red Wings and the Pawtucket Red Sox. And the first at-bat was Mo Vaughn versus Mike Messina. Wow. Yeah, that's that must be cool to look back at it on how things just evolved. And, you know, just like each opportunity came in and came like just how it all, you know, went in line because for me like i'm obviously i'm still young and i'm I'm just starting to do this so um i like i said i mentioned to you i had my first internship at the sports hub and just watching that and how those professionals like behind the scenes on camera you know uh with beetle and zoe and how they do all that is just incredible to me like i, I what listening to them as a kid and then now being behind the scenes working them uh with them over the summer was just so surreal so like that just motivated me more to keep sticking with it so uh it's cool like again to talk to people like you and uh, other people in the profession that have, you know, took these lapses and um, been through all these little internships like that. So like, how did yeah. like um, each internship, like, uh, like in college, like how did you know what to apply for? How did you know, like uh, what uh, job opportunities or was it just kind of like you just submitted resumes into all these job opportunities that you wanted and then they just kind of came in or. Well, Ken, this is one thing I think that underscores the importance of relationships with people. I, when I was a sophomore at the university of Dayton, I had never heard of anything called sports information, but I saw this kid in all my classes. He always wore a different college t-shirt. You know, one day it was USC, the next day it was Notre Dame, the next day it was Miami, whatever. And uh, we struck up a conversation, recognized, okay, this guy's, he must be a college sports fan. Start talking about sports. And he told me, well, I work in the sports information department. What's that? He explained it. You want to work there? Sure. I'll put in a good word for you. I started working there. Because I was in the sports information department and did a good job, one of my predecessors uh, in, in the Dayton SID office was the intern for the Reds. He graduated, went on to the University of Houston to work in their athletic department, and he floated my name to the Reds director of publicity. And I stepped into his shoes uh, in, in the, late in the summer of 1987. I was going back to school for the start of my junior year. He was on his way, and that door opened for me because of his good word, his recommendation. And, uh, you know, the same thing with, uh, uh, with the opportunity that I had uh, with the Red Wings. Uh, again, it was a situation where I, I had, while working with the Reds, made contact with the person who eventually became the general manager in Rochester. He was the traveling secretary of the Reds at the time. He liked me. And uh, when, I, when I finished my internship at North Carolina a year later, I, I reached out to him and he said, I think I might have something for you. And, you know, along the line throughout my career, there's been instances like that. And, and frankly, uh, you know, the, the opportunity at the sports hub arose out of a visit uh, in the fall of 2009, uh, three plus years earlier uh, than when I was hired. And it came about a decade later after meeting someone who helped open that door. So you never know when it's going to happen. And, and, and the story that I'll, I'll try to quickly share regarding that. And it's, it's, it's to your point about making contacts and reaching out to people. And the thing that I will stress, which I tell young people all the time, Cam, is when you do that, do it because you want to be better at, at the craft. You want to learn from them. Don't do it because you want them, me, if you're a younger person, to help you get an, a job, take the next step. The, the motivation has to be getting better, wanting to listen to candid constructive criticism you know you don't nobody wants to be ripped just for the sake of of, of, of being criticized that's what sports talk radio is for uh, in this case it's, it's got to be constructive right so I had developed a relationship 
with a broadcaster that was born out of a, a, a chance meeting. I was uh, visiting family uh, over Easter weekend in Auburn, New York, close to Syracuse. A friend of mine worked in the Syracuse Athletic Department in Communications. They were hosting the NCAA Regionals. And he asked me if I wanted to volunteer and help them out at the regional uh, basketball games. I said, sure, why not? I get a chance to watch the games for free. Maybe I'll meet somebody. I'm standing at the court, halftime, and one of my favorite broadcasters then, and certainly even more so now, Gary Cohn, who was the, at the time the radio voice of the Mets. Well, Gary's walking off the court to go to the bathroom. I shake, I reach out my hand as he's passing by. I say, excuse me, Mr. Cohen, I just want to tell you that I'm a, I'm a great admirer of your work. I really enjoy listening to you. And he says, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a broadcaster for the Frederick Keys. And here he's got like three, three, four minutes to get to the bathroom, get back to the court for the second half. And he, and he, he seemed more interested in what I had to say than I was and what he had to say. And, you know, as he, as he ended the, the brief conversation, he said, listen, send me a tape, just put it in the mail to the Mets and I'll listen to it. And I did it. And weeks later, I got a call back from him saying, hey, I loved your tape. In fact, I liked it so much, I brought it to my boss. And he took it to his boss's at then CBS owned WFAN in New York. About a decade later, they were consultants when the Sports Hub launched in Boston. Mike Thomas, the program director, uh, was in place at the time. Rick Radzik was his assistant. I wanted a chance to meet with Mike because I had moved to the Boston area in the interim. My wife was from here. We'd moved back here. And uh, I um, was trying to knock on doors. And I asked you know, the people at WFAN, hey, can you help open the door for me with a 985? And they, you know, and all it took was just an email. Hey, Mike, you should meet this guy. He does good work. He's a nice guy. And that was it. And uh, I got an opportunity to sit down with Mike and Rick. I uh, met with him for about a half hour. I left a CD with samples. Again, by that time, we'd moved up to CDs of samples of my play-by-play -play at the Naval Academy. Uh, Rick actually listened to it, and he liked it. And uh, three years later, out of the blue, I got an email uh, when Gil was retiring before his final regular season game. And the email was from 985 the Sports Hub, and they wanted to hear more of my work. And, and it went back to this chance meeting, again, just seeking an opportunity to introduce myself. All I wanted, Cam, was maybe, uh, you know, a, a turn on headlines once in a while, anything to get my foot in the door. I didn't hear a word from them for three years or so. And I was going back and forth between Boston and Annapolis, Maryland, still calling a Navy at the time. And then, you know, out of the blue, I get this email, but it all went back to the fact that I had an opportunity to be in the right place at the right time and meet the right person who helped me. Exactly. And then since then, in 2013, in April, I mean, the rest was history. Now calling nine seasons with the Patriots over the radio um, alongside with Zoe, being able to call one Super Bowl is insane. But then you guys have been able to call three, like, and especially like the 28 to three comeback, the Malcolm Butler interception at the goal line, just truly like incredible to like, see where like again where it all started with you and learn the whole career path uh of yourself um and like we mentioned before like previously um making those connections and talking to like people like yourself like for me like i told you it's like and you know it's cool to talk you know have you know on my pages oh i talked to bob socio i talked to you know sean grandy or people like that like but for me it's more of like i, I want to learn and i like learning from the best is is truly uh you know i i take great pride in that and i'm very grateful for people um taking the time to just talk to me and, you know, cause I'm not like, you know, a couple hundred people listen here and there, but it's not like I'm not, I'm some big sports person now. And for you to take the time uh, and a chance on me, like, you know, I, I agree. I appreciate it a lot. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. And as you go through your career, you will 
in all likelihood, reach out to some of the people at the Sports Hub. Maybe you say, hey, Beadle, do you mind give, listening to my air check? And you, you want to hear constructive criticism, and that's going to help you get better. It's going to strengthen that relationship with him. And then hopefully, eventually, you know, you'll be in a position where you pay it forward. And, and that's the way it, it, it's really been, I think, you know, from the start for me, I've been so lucky to have so many people who were interested and available to talk to me. And what I found too, Cam, is that often the most successful people in this business, the most famous, were, were also the most accessible. It, it's really amazing how many people that I really, really admired uh, that I wrote to. And like I said earlier, and I started out with letter writing. Uh, I got a chance to meet Bob Costas and sit down in his office and he recommended me for the Navy job. And that, not to name drop, but that's because I, I wrote a letter, sat down with him, did an interview and, uh, you know, stayed in touch through the years. And, and he, he liked me, uh, you know, liked what he heard enough to, you know, whether when an opportunity arose and I asked him because, again, he got to know my work as much as me. Uh, you know, he was able to put in a good word for me for what, you know, whatever that was worth. And, uh, you know, along the line, there've been so many others that have helped me. And even today, Cam, I, I'm, I'm always open to uh, constructive criticism. I try to be a harsh critic of my own work. I cringe a lot of times when I hear it. Uh, but I, I'll just give you a quick story after my first Patriots game in 2013 from social media. I generally do not advise this, but after the Patriots played the Bills, my first game, regular season, uh, they were down most of the game. They had to come back and win it on a Stephen Gostkowski field goal to, to end the game with just a few seconds left in the fourth quarter. And afterwards, I checked my notifications on Twitter, and some fan wrote, you're the worst broadcaster ever. <laughs> and I said, I replied, I said, I'm so sorry to disappoint you. I'll, I'll, I'll try to be better. And then he replied, he said, I, and said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a second chance. Just give the time and score more often. And I thought to myself, he's right. I need to give the time and score more often. So, you know, I, I, the uh, constructive criticism advice, it comes in a lot of different ways. Often the, the criticism on Twitter is not constructive. <laughs> it's destructive for sure. Yeah. But nonetheless, you know, I, I think if you're open to getting better and you want to get better, if that's what motivates you. And again, I, you know, I can name drop today a little bit, but I never did when I was, uh, when I was trying to rise through the ranks, um, because that's what that wasn't what was important it was it was it was the relationship with those people but also you know the advice that they were giving me and you know what I was trying to do to implement that because it really didn't matter whether you know a person or not or whether not is you know can you process and then implement their words of advice in your work right so when you first like started like talk about like more of those days uh you know when you're when your first games with the bills was there ever a moment um like for me sometimes like throughout the bit, like when I first started at the sports hub, Ray Bork was in studio, I think like a week or two after. So like, you know, a 20 year old kid, uh, second year in college, I was a little starstruck to see Ray Bork, like, you know, have a conversation with him. He signed uh, one of my dad's old jerseys he had when he won the MVP uh, in the all-star game in 96. Um, when, like, again, when you first started with the Patriots, was there ever one of those moments where you were like, oh, this is insane. I'm like calling play by play for Tom Brady and, and Gronk. And like, was there any, uh, like feeling like that, like when you first started? I don't know if there were every, any moments where I was awestruck about the individuals, but it didn't seem real, if that makes sense. Right, it, right, it right. Was, it sounds in a lot of ways, especially when I, like, sometimes I hear calls uh, from the Super Bowls in particular, and I still feel so detached from it. I, I don't, and when I'm, especially when I watch games, Cam, like the last couple of postseasons, you know, last year the Pats got in for the wild card, but as I've watched the AFC Championship, the NFC Championship, the Super Bowl, the last two years, Sometimes I feel like 
I've never done that. That'd be, that must be so cool to yeah. get to broadcast those games, even though we've been spoiled, as you mentioned earlier, as I've had the chance to do so many of those games, too many compared to my peers, uh, you know, certainly more than I deserve. And in, in, now when I think about like having called games for Brady, Gronk, you know, Belichick, some of the other names that, you know, we know are all timers, future hall of famers, present day hall of famers in some cases uh, i it, it's still hard for me to believe it does it doesn't seem real uh, so i i don't think that i was ever awestruck now, i was nervous particularly asking belichick questions in the early going because you get that look in mid-sentence you feel like you're completely lost um but nonetheless i think over time you know that eventually uh, that feeling diminished uh, but as far as like actually uh, looking at them in an awestruck way i don't know that I, I don't think i ever did but nonetheless when i listen to the highlights periodically um tom versus time or uh the the series that espn ran last year or the america's game you know three games to glory nfl films uh productions yeah then it's like it dawns me you had a chance to be part of that at least just to commentate on it because i think of the great announcers you know, doing uh, the the play-by-play the -play of Willie Mays or Joe Namath, Joe Montana, I should say, really more so, uh, you know, and the, and the all-time great Skretsky and uh, uh, Muhammad Ali uh, in an individual sport, not Bob Sosi calling it a Patriots <laughs> game. Right. Well, like you said it, it's crazy, though, to look back at and say, like, you know, I was a part of that, like the the three Super Bowls that you were fortunate enough to call with Zoe. And um, like those are the games like you look back and like, you know, I, like you said, I get to be a part of that. That's really cool. Um, but for someone like me who's trying to get into the business, you know, after college and learn again, like we said, like throughout the whole episode, learn from the best um, when there's, you know, games like preseason, like just past like games that like really don't mean anything, but they do mean st uh, to something in a sense uh, like dead space is like, a huge thing as a broadcaster that uh you know separates like good from great so like someone like you how did you learn to uh you know break up that dead space and really make it into something like really make the game seem like it, it means something during that like uh dead space time i guess i used to put so much pressure on myself to try to have a clean tape you, you hear this from guys who've been in, in in the business for a long time all the time uh the, the pressure and uh you know the uh, imperfection with every tape you want to find like the, a clean inning with good crowd sound, with good play-by-play -play that demonstrates all of your abilities as a broadcaster. And it's impossible to find like one that you really, really love. So I, I always think about like the pressure I put on myself for those games, but also the, the reality is, and it doesn't matter what they're calling high school, college, pro games, to somebody listening, if not to a lot of somebody's listening, that's the most important game in their lives. And it's the most important game you're going to call. I know it's cliche, but like that next game, that next moment, that's the most important. Joe, you know, Joe DiMaggio had the famous line when somebody asked him, why is it so important for you to, to, to play well every night or to play hard? And he said, well, somebody may be watching me for the first time. And I do think about that as a broadcaster. Now, I, I, we, we talk about the preseason games. I made some, some egregious mistakes in these last few preseason games. I've lost sleep over them because whether it's preseason or postseason, you know, it's important to get it right and it, because those games are important. You know, they're, 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 you know, not only preparing you for the regular season, but it's a reflection on who you are as a professional and your credibility. Um, now, as far as like dead spaces in, in broadcast, I think it's just a repetition. It's years and years of calling games. I mentioned all those minor league games. There's been no better teacher 
in my career than the experience of going through a long minor league baseball season. I've been in uh, places like Clinton, Iowa, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Charleston, West Virginia, uh, you know, uh, Beloit, Wisconsin, calling games in April when there's nobody there and it's freezing or in July when it's really hot and humid and the ballparks, you know, less than half empty or less than half full. And you got a pitcher out there, like some 19 year old kid who's a prospect who can't find the strike zone, but they've got to leave him in because they got to develop him and let him work out of trouble. And, uh, you know, it's the most boring sporting event you've ever witnessed, but you got to find a way to get through it. Even if you can't make it interesting, nonetheless, you know, you want to do your part to try to make it as, as, as listenable as you can. And, and so I think all of those experiences over the years, high school football, small college football, uh, mid-major basketball, the Navy games that I did, all the minor league baseball games that I did, all prepared me uh, for you know, my, my, my stint with the Patriots. And you know, preseason games are not postseason games but they're hell of a lot better in doing preseason games in the NFL. I mean, you know, than postseason games in, in the Midwest league or the South Atlantic league, which I've done. Yeah. Right. And you know, for somebody like me, like my first year of broadcasting was uh, this past year. And um, I mostly, I was by myself on a lot of the calls. Like there wasn't a color guy with me. So they, uh, they appreciated me just taking it, you know, upon myself just to do it, you know, by myself. Like usually not a lot of people want to do that. Um, I'm from Rhode Island. I went to Rhode Island College uh, my last two years. For, my freshman year was uh, cut short due to COVID, so we didn't have a lot of uh, opportunities that we did in my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, so then with the tapes that I had with that, the podcast that I have, uh, I created over that time, um, you know, re- built up a little resume. And again, I sent it to the sports hub and they took a chance on me for that this past summer. So now the, the resume seemed a little bit better and I sent it to the University of Rhode Island and they accepted me for their sports media program. So now I'm going to be calling um more than one like I all I did was basketball I did basketball baseball and softball so now my first soccer game I'm calling is this Friday and I'm going to be the color commentator so now certain sports that I've never called before I'm trying to do research and uh you know come up with like charts of players and stats just so I know what I'm talking about you said that preparation and and things like that um so uh again I, I appreciate you taking this time to you know teach me uh you know from the early stages of how it, you know, what it takes to get to that next level. Yeah. And preparation is such a key. Vince Scully just passed away, of course, and he always uh, had a line. He would say is the key to broadcasting, have the humility to prepare and the confidence to pull it off. And I think confidence comes from preparation, but I think the experience of, of doing sports that you're unfamiliar with and having to collect information, talk to coaches, talk to players, and do your research that goes back to my point about all those games in the minor leagues and filling dead spaces, because this experience is going to help you become a better basketball announcer, a better hockey announcer, a better football announcer down the road. So you're in a great spot. I mean, congratulations on the opportunity that you have. And, you know, again, and I really mean this Cam. like when I was doing those games and I think back about to them, like they were every bit as important as calling Patriots games. And I really, really mean that. It sounds insane. I mean, there aren't nearly as many listeners, of course, but uh, nonetheless, it, you know, in those moments, those those events, they're your network opportunities. They're, they're your chance to do what you love to do. And, and, and so as much as I stress like wanting to be good at it, also enjoy it. I don't think I enjoyed a lot of the games that I called uh, when I was a lot younger uh, as much as I should have. Right. And it's been a ride and I can't wait to start 
I can't believe it's already here because like I was thinking about it when I first applied in uh, around April and like now that that whole summer just flew by. So um, I'm very excited to start. And again, Bob, I appreciate you taking the time to kind of wrap things up. I just wanted to ask you um, your the feeling that it was for you uh, when you were named uh, Massachusetts uh, Sports Broadcaster of the Year uh, last year in 2021. Yeah, thanks. That was really humbling. I never thought that like an award like that would would mean a whole lot, frankly. Um you know, part of part of the reason I felt that way was because I never won any awards like that. <laughs> so maybe I was just trying to rationalize, but it, it was very humbling, and particularly to to hear from some of the people that voted on it, because you know some of them are people that I respect most in this marketplace. And you know, when somebody like that tells you that they like the way you do your job, I think it's more about how you do your job or how you try to do your job in in, in some of those cases than you know the actual sound of your voice and how you call a game. Uh, and, and I think that 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 really is important as I've gotten older, Cam, and, and, and learned more about life in general, but the business especially, you know, I think that's another thing that young people uh, should know is that relationships and also the impressions you make on people outside the broadcast booth are every bit as important, if not more so, than how you sound inside the booth. Now, some people are so exceptional and, and you see it, whether it's in a studio uh, you know, at the sport, I shouldn't say the sports hub, but, you know, a studio television studio, radio studio, or a broadcast booth at a game. And some people can be a certain way and, and, and just be talented enough, uh, exceptional enough that, that it doesn't, uh, uh, it, it doesn't affect their career negatively. But what I've always found for myself and, and I think for the vast majority of people that I've interacted with, you know, for the people, the good people in our business that, that try to do things the right way, uh, you know, that, that try to approach their jobs uh, with perspective and, uh, you know, remain uh, above, you know, reaching for the lowest common denominator or complaining too much or, you know, calling attention to themselves rather than the games too much, if at all. Um, you know, I, I, I find that the, the, the people that are respected and you know appreciate to do it that way are usually the most successful and the most enjoyable to listen to and watch and they have the longest success i think you find a lot of uh, careers to be very fleeting in our business uh, because people you know burn bridges and and uh, you know I, I think it's really important in, in in advising young people look you know there might be times you get frustrated you, you get upset you get lonely you're making sacrifices you're on the road you're in a marketplace where you don't want to be whether it's reporting for local news or calling you know minor league hockey whatever it might be but you know how you how you treat people there uh, is going to be an indicator of how you treat people when you get to the next level and you meet the same people on the way down that you met on the way up and and so that's important to stress because i didn't always do things the right way when i was younger i let my frustration get the most of me and, uh, you know, to get an award like that, a long way of answering your question, that was especially, I think, rewarding. The fact that it was voted on by people I respect who do their jobs the way I hope I do mine. Yeah, for sure, Bob. And again, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, as I said, throughout the whole episode. I love to always ask guests before I ended off, uh, what did you think of Camp's Corner? Like, again, we, like we talked about uh, with the constructive criticism. Um, I always like asking uh, professionals in the business, athletes as well, coaches, like just so I can get better uh, along the line. I like it. I, I think you do a really good job. And, and I'll tell you that one of the, the hardest things for me always has been being natural and kind of, you know, just at ease, especially in a, you know, a podcast format or like you, you talked about the telecast, the preseason games on the, on television as well. And I, in, 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 it's just a natural conversation between two people talking about something we love. And uh, you know, I, I would just keep encouraged 
I would encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and uh, to continue to contact people, uh, listen to your work, uh, critique it yourself. Uh, you know, when, when you have some guests on that, uh, where you maybe, you know, as you, as you grow and develop, where it's not necessarily an informational interview with somebody in the business, but an athlete or a coach, where now you're, you're putting them in position where you want to question them and, and glean information from them, then I would suggest like using, using those tapes to send out to people in our business, you know, to hear uh, even sharper constructive criticism, not necessarily stringent, but, you know, sharper uh, points and, and, and advice and suggestions. My last words, Cam, keep in mind, and I say this all the time when I speak to kids, like, if I can do this, you can do this. Uh, but, you know, we've all been where you are, you know, in your position, going to school, doing the internships, you know, starting out, wanting to get better, wanting to climb the ladder and, and, and have a career in broadcasting. Um, so that's important to know, just, you know, understanding that everybody's been there. Some get there a lot faster to the top. Others like myself, you know, really labor to get there. Uh, but but you can do it. Thanks and, again, Bob. And enjoy the journey. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll talk soon for sure. All right. Stay in touch. Thank you. Yep, definitely. <laughs>